0: We are in week three of our series called Religion and Politics. And here's what we're going after. We're doing our very best to equip you and empower you to engage as salt and light in an effective, faithful way as a follower of Jesus. Week one, we gave you a little bit of a biblical worldview and foundation on, on how to approach politics in this season. Last week, we heard from an incredible panel of super inspiring people in our own experienced family about how God is using them in the civic space. And today, we're gonna learn about how God can use us and our prayers to change the course of history in our nation. And I've got a tag team partner with me today. She is a growing voice in our church, your friend and mine. Let's welcome Ty with us today.
1: Good morning, church fam. Come on. So good to be with you this morning. And today we're gonna talk about the third dimension of us being salt and light Nikki Gumbel says that it's the most important activity to be done on earth. We're going to talk about the thing that has the power to make our engagement, our service, and our work fruitful. We're going to talk about how prayer has the power to change our nation, our world, and even change our lives. Amen. Amen. The Word of God in Isaiah 56, 7 reads, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings— and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Amen. Come on, that sounds like our church. That sounds like us. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Let's pray this morning. Father, we we need your help. And we know that you are the best help there is. God, come and help us grow and change us, God. And help God to make our work in in the kingdom fruitful. God, we cry out to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Prayer is pure joy. I'm sure you say that every time you pray. (laughs) Said no one ever. I wish it was like that every time. I wish that was our experience, but let's just be honest. Most of the time, it's, it's probably not. Maybe even oftentimes, it's not, but it, it can be, and it should be. Prayer can be joyful. Uh, Patrick Lencioni, a Christian leadership guru, says that the leader of any organization or family is the CRO. The Chief Reminding Officer. And so for our church, that's me. And I'm here today to remind you about who we are. We are God's family. We are praying people. And this is what Jesus is building among us. He's building a praying church. And I'm reminding you because when I remind you, I actually remind myself. Sometimes I forget. I forget that prayer can be and should be pure joy.
1: Yes, and it's joyful because one, Jesus is in it. And when we enter the presence, we can find so much joy. And actually in Psalms um, 1611 says, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And second, it's joyful because of answer prayers. In our church, we know a little something about answer prayers, right? Yes, we do. And um, actually, Joyce Meyer says this, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend. And it should be the easiest thing that we do each day. Every day. Wouldn't we pray more if we had this just this mentality the prayers are so easy and that we can do it at any time in the day wow. also Pete Gregg says in order for prayers to grow take root and eventually blossom it will need to be easy and joyable.
0: There is so much joy available to us in prayer. And that's who we're, that's who we were born to be. God's praying people that are close to him, that are speaking to him like a friend and continually getting answers to our prayers. And this is one of the primary ways that we are salt and light, that we pray. And when we pray, God uses our prayers to stop evil and to slow down decay, and to redeem, and to restore, and to renew. And he uses our prayers to give light, and illumination, and clarity.
1: Yes, and and part of me wonders, what if the church would stop praying? What if we, the body of Christ, would give up on praying? You know, what would happen to the world? Just the evil, the abuse, the murder, terrorism, injustice. How about the future of our kids, our families, our homes, the brokenness in humanity? There's a quote by Mother Teresa that says God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the more, the better, the more prayer in the world, the better. Um, let me read that again. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. Wow. Come on.
0: Wow. <laughs> what if so the church good. invested more time in prayer than podcasts? What if the amount invested in Netflix was less than the amount invested in prayer?
1: Come on, come on. Woo!
0: I won't even talk about social media. But but what if all the time we invest in everything else that really in many ways can be very meaningless was actually doubled down and invested in prayers? What could God do through us if, if he had constant prayers to answer? Maybe we could actually live in a constant state of answered prayer
1: come on come on that's oh that would be so good but the reality is that we feel like quitting almost nearly every single week and church i know I'm, I'm your prayer director and i have to say that you know sometimes i get tired and i wonder if if i'm doing it right if i'm qualified if i'm you know if we're doing this thing right and um is it really working what are we doing and, 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 you know, for my mamas out there, every time it hits noon, my son just goes wild. He <laughs> when, begins when, it's, to, when it's time to pray. When it's time to pray. He goes wild. He wants to talk. He wants to scream. Right? <laughs> and um, it's it's much like being a parent. You know, we think like, it, it, what are we doing? What What, what was I... What was I thinking? You know, I'm not qualified to raise this child. And we often think that our prayers are so small or so weak in church. Weak prayers are powerful prayers. Come Come on. on. I'm going to say that again. Weak prayers are powerful prayers because it's not about us, but the power is in the one that hears our prayers. Come Come on. on. (laughs) William um, Cowper says this, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. Mike Bickle says this, our prayers offered and human weaknesses ascend to God in power. Our weak prayer can reach the ears of our almighty God and that is all that it takes. It's us just willing to come into the presence of God and pray. Come on. A woman once said to a British evangelist, G. Campbell Morgan, she said, I only take small prayers to God because I don't want to worry him with the big stuff. And he told her, hey, lady, everything that you take to God is small. We tend to magnify the problem, and we forget to magnify him, the most powerful, our almighty father. Come on. That's
0: right. I like that. I like that. Hey, lady.
1: (laughs) He set her straight. (laughs) Come on.
0: Nothing is too difficult for the Lord nothing is impossible for him who believes. And so we're inviting you, we have invited you, but we're extending a fresh invitation for all of us to be weak together every single week on Wednesdays. As a staff and as leaders, we are fasting, a half fast, many of us till 3 p.m. with no food, some all the way till dinner. And what we're doing is, is, is we're identifying with Jesus in this human weakness. And when we fast, what we're saying is we're saying no to all the other options and we're saying yes to God. We, we become acutely aware of the, the simplest little things that we need like food. And it helps us identify with our need and our dependence on God. And so if you haven't joined us yet, you are invited to join us every single week. We pray and we fast as a church and we're we're asking God for revival, renewal and awakening in our city, in the Bay Area in our time. And we believe that it's gonna happen. We have one young guy uh, in our church, Chris. He sent me a text this week, and he said this. He said, This past year of weekly fasting has broken the carnality in me, and I've stepped into next level revelation. All thanks to you pushing. Hold on, Chris. We don't push, we gently lead. We are not pushing. We are leading, all right, thank you for leading me to get over my comfort. Yes, we are guilty as charged. We are gonna call you to do things that are uncomfortable because Jesus calls us to do those things. And he does that because the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our comforter. We get real comfort when we get out of our comfort zones as we follow Jesus. And so we see from the scripture throughout the Bible that God uses our prayers to shape and shake our nation. See, our prayers have the power to do way more than politics, way more. Are are you looking for politics to do what only God can do? I, I hope not. I hope that you're looking for God to do what only he can do. See, our nation and our neighbor needs our prayers right now. And sometimes we forget that our nation needs our prayers, that our national leaders need our prayers. But the apostle Paul, he didn't forget that. He knew that. He prayed for the political leaders that were over him. And the, his political leaders weren't Christians. In fact, they were trying to attack and kill and crucify Christians. And here's what he tells his young son Timothy He says, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings. And for all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We aren't to complain about our political leaders. We're not to trash our political leaders. We can disagree with them, but we're called to pray for them. We're called to love them. We're called to respect them and to honor them. And God uses those prayers to change stuff.
1: Yes, he does. You know, a great example in the Bible is King Solomon. He was known to be the wisest king, and he knew the power of prayer. He did. The word of God in Proverbs twenty-one-one says this, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. It turns it wherever he will. Come on. Sometimes I wonder if our current state is just the result of very little prayers. Uh, recent studies have shown that half of Americans think that the Bible should not influence at all all the U.S. loss. Wow. Come on. And uh, church, we need to get together. We need to come together if we want to change the course of history. Martin Luther says this, prayer is a strong wall and fortress of the church. It is a goodly Christian weapon. Weapon. Come on. Let's look at some heroes in the Bible that because of their prayers, they were able to change the destiny of their nation. Come on. The first one I want to talk to you about is Nehemiah. And I, I love the story of Nehemiah. And I don't know if it's because, you know, he just became this amazing builder and I'm married to one. But I really, <laughs> really love the story of Nehemiah. And uh, and I love what his name means, which means Yahweh has comfort. Wow. It, mean, it reveals the word will bring comfort. And the book guides us how to overcome troubles and to trust God. It shows Nehemiah praying and it shows how faithful God was to him. The book opens by expressing how dire the walls the walls of Jerusalem was and Jerusalem was the city of God, God's dwelling place. And Nehemiah's mission was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You see, in ancient cities, these walls were their, you know, their way of defense. It meant their strength, you know, they, it was their protection. And Nehemiah was away from his hometown, but he hears what's happening in Jerusalem. And the word of God says that he sat down and he mourned. The Bible says that he started praying in the month of Shilev in the Jewish calendar. And his prayer wasn't answered until the month of Nisan, which means that Nehemiah prayed for four and a half months. Come on, just being in the presence of God and his prayer, he started praying by saying this. Lord God of heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments. Come on. We... We, we don't usually, you know, start our prayers like that. This uber microwave generation that is like, hey, I want instant God. Come on, come and fix this problem right now. Because I need it to be fixed right now. But Nehemiah, he stops and he contemplates on God and who God is. Come on. And he goes on and he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. That now I pray before you day and night for the people people of Israel your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you even I and my father's house have sinned Nehemiah included himself in the problem he identified with Israel he understood his contributions to the walls of the city And he wasn't afraid to confess. He wasn't afraid to say, hey, God, this is my nation. This is my people. We have sinned against you. And he continues on and he says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commended your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commended your servant, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the people. But then Nehemiah remembers the promise and he says, But if you return to me and keep my commandments, then do them, though your outcasts are in the outermost parts of heaven. From there, I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. There are there are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to prayer, to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of the servants who delights to hear your name. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy. And he finishes saying, now I was a cup barrier to the king come on, church, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. We may think that we are so small. We may think that we are so broken and so weak, but the mercy of God reaches down from heaven and he uses broken people to build, you know, to renew and to rebuild broken societies, broken cultures and broken nations. Yes. In Isaiah 53, 5812 says this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls. Come on, somebody, Nehemiah did in 52 days what was going to take years, and not because of his strength, but because he knew who had all the strength, all the action, and all the strategies, and all the power. And this leaves a question here today, if is prayer the first thing or the last thing that you do. Because if prayer is the last thing that you do, then you waste time and everything else that you do because you take God out of the equation. And what happens is we usually don't pray before we move, and then we're left praying for the things that we should have prayed in the first place. Church, prayer is power for action.
0: That's right. Come on. I feel like I need to (laughs)
1: lean
0: in a little bit. Come on, Nehemiah. (laughs) We see in Acts chapter four the early church, Peter and John, they're on their way to a prayer meeting and they find a a paralyzed man, over 40 years old, never walked, paralyzed. They pray for him. He immediately gets healed. The Bible says he jumps up and starts praising God. And everybody knew that guy because he was a a beggar asking every day for help. And they heal him. And as a result, the, the Jewish people get so upset, the Pharisees, that they arrest him. And can I tell you, that's like a faith goal of mine being arrested for healing somebody. How awesome would that be? And then they're threatened and they say, hey, if you talk about Jesus anymore, if you give him any more credit, if you do any more miracles in his name, we're gonna lock you guys up. We're gonna execute you. So you know what they do? They gather again with their people and this is what they say. They lift their voices to God and they say, The sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. They didn't pray for them to go away. They didn't pray for them to be quiet. They prayed for strength and boldness to do what God called them to do. They weren't complaining and whining. No, they were praying to a God that can change things. And it says, look on their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your servant, Jesus, And that's what we see. The whole book of Acts is Jesus acting out. Jesus acting with his hand out to touch and heal and set people free. And God answered their prayer. Just two verses later, verse 31 says this, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. I don't even know what that's like, but I don't know if the building shook or if they shook or both shook, I don't know. But there was a whole lot of shaking going on. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they actually continued to speak the word of God with boldness so The Holy Spirit doesn't just shake us to shake us. He shakes us to make us effective. He shakes us to use us. He shakes us so that people can meet Jesus and be forgiven and given a brilliant new life in him. And so then we look a couple chapters later. Here's what we see. The shaking is still going on. The word of God continues to increase. The number of the disciples are multiplying in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests Become obedient to the faith. So the very people that were threatening them that were telling them that they were going to kill them if they kept talking about Jesus. Those same people with the threats were the same people that bowed their knee to Jesus and experienced new life in him. See, we're not gonna whine, we're not gonna complain, we're gonna pray, and we're gonna believe, and we're gonna walk by faith and not by sight because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when we pray,
1: something happens. So good, so good. And how about even the story of Esther? Yeah. Come on, a woman of God who found favor with the king and God used that favor to protect and to overcome the evil plot that was, you know, against her people, the Jewish people, these Israel, the Israelites. And um, God places her and her uncle Mordecai in the right place, in the right time in history, at the right time to change and bring protection to their people. Come on. And we see here that, you know, just long story short, a king official wanted to destroy this, the Israelites. And uh, Esther's uncle reminds her of who she is. And he says, hey, maybe you are at a place of royalty for such a time as this. Come on, church. Maybe we're right here for such a time as this. And the story goes on. And Esther gathers the people. She says, hey, go tell everybody everybody up in Susa to pray and fast for me for three days. No drinking, no eating, just fast for me because I'm about to go in front of the king. Mm. And if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. She was willing to risk her life for her people. Come on. And she knew that she was about to enter the battle. And what does she do? what does she does? She prays and she fasts because she knew that by her strength, she couldn't do it. But by God, she could. with God, she could do it. There's a beautiful quote by Rich Veladas. He's the author of The Deeply Formed Life. And he says, to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not a language of passivity and resignation. God, there's nothing I can do, so please come and fix this world. It's a language of participation. God God, there is much I can do, but only in your power. When we enter a battle by ourselves with our own strength, come on, we're going to lose. But we, when we enter the battle with God, come on, and with praying, and with the Holy Spirit, come on, the battle is won. When we pray, we take down giants. And when we fast, we break stronghold.
0: That's right. So like Nehemiah, like Esther, like the early church, we're going to pray. And we're gonna see God use our prayers to shape our nation, to influence our political systems, and ultimately touch our political leaders. This is why on election day, we're calling everyone that calls experience home To join us for 24 hours of prayer, tell them about it, Ty.
1: Yes, so we are creating this 24-hour experience, and for each time, we're going to pray for a topic and a promise, and and we're believing that in each hour of the day, that at least three people are going to come together and going to pray and are going to pray with us. And while many people are going to be just at fear, while the votes are going to be counted, we are going to be believing for revival, and we are going to believing that the will of God, you know, is going to the God. God's will is gonna be done here on earth. Come on, and we want to invite your church to come and partner with us for this 24 hours of prayer.
0: I believe God's gonna use it in a profound I way. And I wanna say thank you to every single person, hundreds of you that have joined us online for prayer. We, we we're just so thankful for all the prayers that have been prayed. We literally have hundreds of people praying thousands of hours since COVID hit. And we, we had, uh, last year in 2019, we declared uh, as a visionary theme that it was gonna be a year where God was gonna cultivate hunger in our church. And we're experiencing that hunger now. It's, it's tangible, you can feel it. In 2020, we said that we are gonna become people of prayer. We are gonna become our prayers. We are, will become a praying church. And so we sent a team out to New York City to our friends in Manhattan that have just this beautiful praying church, and they came back full of fire and hunger, and we started these live gatherings, and then COVID hit. Thought, oh no, what's going to happen? But actually, COVID has served to accelerate our vision of prayer. We have reached way more people than we ever thought imaginable online, and I want to say thank you, if you would, just for all those, let's give them some applause and a clap. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. And now we see what God's doing. We see that God's breathing on Pray the Bay and he's, he's he's moving it from a prayer meeting to a prayer movement.
1: Yes, yes, and the future of prayer in our church is just so incredible. And you probably know this by now that we have changed some of the times that we are now Tuesdays and Thursdays on IG Live at 8 a.m. And we are um, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon. And the IG Lives, we're gonna begin to see a, uh, some new people, some new faces. We are moving, as you said, from a prayer. Prayer meeting to a prayer movement. And we're going to partner with other churches and other people. And we're gonna, you're going to begin to see guests as um, prayer leaders and, prayer and worship leaders. It's going to be so good. Leading us and prophesying and just bringing the word of God. And at noon, that's when we come together and we pray for each other and we gather as a church and we believe that, you know, that's something that when we pray, something happens.
0: That's right. And we want to invest in people's prayer lives we want to we want to help people hear from God we want to help people find their voice in prayer that when you when you catch the spirit of prayer literally your spiritual life opens up to like a whole new galaxy and we want to invest not only in people in our own church but literally people from all over the world that if they got wi-fi if they got internet access they can jump on they can be a part of what God's doing
1: Yes, and um, Pastor Mark, I, th- I think we should pray. We just taught about it. How, what you about? Let's I mean, do you think of us? Come let's on, pray. let's pray. Let's Le- pray. Lead us
0: time praying for our nation. Yes. If you do that.
1: Yes, let's pray. Come on. I want to just invite you to come and just pray with us if you can at your yes. house, just where you are. Yeah. Um, God, thank you so much that you are so big. You you are way bigger than we can ever think and imagine, God, and your plans for us is just amazing. Father, we stand in a position and we pray for our nation right now. We cry out to you right now. God, we know that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. God, and we pray that for the truth of God to be valued again in the American society. God, your word says then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. God, we cry out for your truth here. Yes. Yes. God, we position ourselves and we humbly say, God, forgive us. Forgive us that, you know, we have turned from your ways and we have just, you know, left your wisdom and just um, came to our own understandings and wisdom, God, and we turn back to you. Amen. We give you the keys to the yes. nation. And we say, take control, take control. God, we pray for the churches in our community. And we pray, God, that they will preach the gospel at such a time as this. God, and we pray for wisdom for all the voters out there. God, and we say, and we pray for a a fair and a safe election. In Jesus' name, God, let your will be done here on earth. Amen. Amen.